Hello and welcome to the Swim Brief. I am Chris DeSantis and I am joined by a bespectacled Joel Rawlings. Joel, how are you? Obviously, I'm getting older where I need these glasses to see what's going on on my own computer screen. So so I'm dying, dying second by second, getting old, gray, senile. Yeah. 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 I mean, I'm one day short of my birthday, Joel. It's uh, We're recording this on July 20th. So I'm going to be 40 years old tomorrow. You young bucks. That's yeah. That's crazy. Knees aren't popping quite yet. It's awesome. Oh no, they are. Every All time right. I do a squat, it sounds like uh, the old uh, Rice Krispies commercial: <laughs> snap, crackle, and pop. Kids um, start ducking for cover. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, anyway, today we're going to talk about a phenomenon. I, I texted you about this, and um, I got you know I have a few other coaching. Uh, group chats where this has been a point of discussion, but um, basically we want to talk about college hiring and uh, I want to talk about college hiring from the perspective of something that um, some other people have brought up to me that no- that they've noticed and I've been noticing as well. Um, and that is there's been a slew of, of job announcements where people have been announced for a job. And I consider myself who somebody who keeps you know, reasonable tabs on what's out there, what's available, where the opportunities are, et cetera, what's being sort of publicly advertised as an open position. And I keep on getting caught off guard, like, wait, they were hiring? Like, wait, what happened? (laughs) What's going on here? Um, And I wanted to get your perspective on it because I know that um, this is something that you follow as well. So I guess, I mean, I might even start with the premise with you, Joel, like, are you noticing what I'm noticing? Am I am am I making this up? What do you think? Is it that basically the, that these hirings are going on? And they're already a done deal, or that they're not even posting them and and they're hiring? So so you mean either one of those options or? Well, so we we are in a we are in a weird place with Division One um, in in specific uh, terms because they have undone the previous. Um, caps on the number of allowable coaches. So uh, a lot of these programs had the opportunity to add a staff member without necessarily anybody leaving, right? It used to be that you had, um, you know, if you were a combined division one program, you could have up to six people that had the title swim coach mm-hmm. um, at some, some swimming or diving coach, I should say um, somewhere in their job title. And then, you know, you couldn't have a seventh. Um, now there's been an opportunity. I, I believe people can go up to eight. Um, and so, you know, obviously there are places that weren't even at six. So are they likely to just add a person? No, probably not. But there have been places that have just been adding without anybody having to have left a job. Mm-hmm. So I think that's one piece of it um, where, you know, ordinarily in this job search process, you would go, oh, so-and-so, you know, left Virginia. Well, now they're going to be hiring. And, um, even if you didn't see like a job announcement somewhere, it was generally known that somebody had left and that there was a hiring process going on there. But I, I have been noticing also just, you know, um, schools, um, where it's almost simultaneously announced that somebody left and somebody got added. Um, and I'm wondering, it didn't seem to me from my impression that there was a big effort made to sort of have an applicant pool 
for these okay. jobs. Like, you know, that it was just sort of a um, couple people, you know, called and they called some other people and there, you know, some interviews that happened. <laughs> uh, and then, and then voila, somebody gets hired for these jobs. And to a certain extent, college coaching has always been this way. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think anybody that has ever tried, um, we have a lot of swim coaches that listen to this. Anybody that's been a lifelong club coach that's ever entertained going into college coaching, you know, that it can feel like a weird exclusive club where, you know, you keep on getting denied at the door and you're like, what's wrong? Right. Is Am I wearing the wrong color shirt? Am I, you know, like, <clears throat> did I not, did I not, you know, smile the right way at the bouncer? Like what is going on? And <laughs> so you just feel like you're on the outside of this, but I almost wonder if that's an accelerating trend. And um, anyway, I'd like to get your perspective on some of that. Yeah. I, th- I think there's a lot of differences uh, obviously the level division one, two, three, and I, yeah. whatever. And also the location of the school too, is becoming a big part of that too. But I, I think, um, cause I, I read, I think I forgot what it was like swimming world or something like that, where they're talking about the, uh, the volunteer coach. And is that like, you know, is it even ethical? You know, like basically having unpaid labor like that. And, and for me, you know, I always looked at it as kind of like, you know, when you're right out of college, you know, I, I could I could throw everything in the back of like a you know a, a U like a small van minivan. I got everything I need. I can move anywhere. I can live in a studio. I can live under the bridge. Whatever you need me to do, I can do that. Getting experience. And that was the idea. You're paying your dues, moving your way up. And then as you get older, you're like, yeah, I can't live in the studio anymore. I need need at least the one bedroom. And then then you get married and like, well, wife's not going to want to live in the one bedroom. And I've got a kid now, so it's got to be a good school district. And so. So as applicants, like, as you get older, it's like, if you're, I always kind of looked at it like a merry-go-round. It's like, first, first wave of that is like, those jobs open February, March. You see them like NCAA news and stuff like that. And if you're not on a horse, then you got to wait for the next time around when the merry-go-round goes up again. But now when you get like a certain level of income expectation or whatever state you're going to live in expectation, it, it's like, now it becomes even quicker of a ride. If you don't get on fast then you're not going to get on anything. And like you're saying, there's a lot of these that kind of come and go really quick. And I think all of a sudden with all these jobs opening up in a sense, they're, they're not going to be the six figure, you know, dream job. It's going to be the 25, 30,000, maybe 18,000 plus you coach masters kind of a job. And I think sometimes like with these coaches and I'm just trying to look at the, the good possibility, you know, rather than the anything cynical, it's just the idea that you, you, if you're a division one coach, you got all these meets, you've got all this recruiting, you've got all these meetings, all these responsibilities getting in this hiring circle. You're like, Hey, do you know somebody? And, or is it like a former swimmer? And so a lot of the ones I've seen have been like former swimmers or some tie to the university where you're like, I already know this person. Let's bring them in. And there's not a whole vetting kind of a process. Um, but at the other levels, you know, it, it's like most state schools, for instance, they need to, put the the job out there for at least like two weeks. Sometimes it's 30 days. And so um, I think that's one way also I I would notice like if a job has already been filled, it used to be, you know, if it's like up exactly two weeks and it's only on like their website 
that you can find that job. Right, their internal yeah job uh, website. Right. Like you'd have to be trolling through Northwestern's, you know, like internal job right, search right. place to find it. Yeah, or whatever. This is an example. Exactly. Yeah, <laughs> and so that that's one of those things you have to find it and it's done. Versus the ones it's going to stay open until we find a position. It's on NCAA. It's on uh, swim, swim. It's on all these le- different levels. Those seem to be more open. But my, my guess is is a lot of these people that I've seen from the not to make it a lower job, but it's it's a, like a you know fourth, fifth, sixth assistant, whatever it is. It's generally going to be someone younger. It that means there's probably not a huge salary to it, or the salary is a little more contingent on how they're doing with camps, how they're doing with other things, um, and and you're just going to hire just someone that you know, versus right. bringing someone in and going through the whole interviewing process. Well, so. I, I, I have a couple thoughts on on everything you just said. I do think that, you know, for the the run of the mill division one assistant coach, I do my perspective is that that job is less desirable than it used to be. I think um and and part of that actually has to do with the growth in desirability of some of these head coaching jobs. I do think that you know, I've been 10 years out of the game in uh, Division One college coaching. And uh, if I look back at that time, I think that the, you know, the, the average salary of a top 25 NCAA program um, combined head coach, that has gone up a lot since, since my time in coaching. The the salary of the assistant coaches has stayed fairly static. And now there are some assistants who, you know, get like, you know, an associate in their title and manage to sort of break out of the average. But I would say just the writ average um, stuff has stayed really stagnant. And you see jobs in that category just broadly in the economy um, are not as desirable as they used to be. So I, I do think that there has been a dip in desirability. So I wonder what the applicant pools actually would be, you know, for some of these jobs. Um, I'm sure there would be applicants, but I wonder also like how many of those applicants might be shocked to find out, you know, like what it actually pays to be an assistant coach at University of Virginia or um, one of these other places, just sort of the come at, come, come at the full-time minimum. And you, you brought up the stuff about volunteer coach. Um, I definitely have a perspective on it. You you were a volunteer um, at some point in your sure. coaching career. I was essentially a volunteer at the University of Pennsylvania. I always say essentially because I, I did get paid $2,000 a year. So mm-hmm. that's not nothing. But in the city of Philadelphia, it's pretty close to nothing. Um, and my perspective on it um, was yeah, that probably the only reason I was able to do that was because I grew up in a real privileged background. You know, I, I came out of an expensive four year college um, with zero debt, you know? Uh, so I wasn't carrying that albatross around my neck and yeah, I could, you know, pack stuff into the back of my car. My wife had student loans from grad school. We were, we were dating at that time. We moved in together, you know, we just sort of scraped it by. I taught some swim lessons on the side, like we figured it out, but only because we didn't carry you know, a lot of baggage into that situation. And there's just more and more people, right, who are coming into the workforce um, 
carrying some of that baggage and like, it's like, okay, yeah, I can't take a job that's not even going to, first off, it's not even going to cover the cost of living in the college town um, that this school is in, much less help me start repaying the debts that I'm bringing um, into this situation. So I, I do think there has been um, that dip in desirability and, and concurrent with that dip in desirability, you know, I always heard two things. One of one which I, I always parroted back, which was basically if you're reading about a job posting, like a public job posting for a major uh, college program, you're probably not in the running for it. Like if that's your first you're hearing about, you know, that Virginia Tech is hiring by, you know, seeing like a job posting on their board you're probably not in the running to get that job. Um, and so, you know, maybe a lot of more of these schools just looked at this, like we're treating this like a waste of time. Anyway, we're mm -hmm. getting a lot of candidates that aren't actually a fit for what we want to do. Why don't we just double down on the informal process that we're already doing and see if we can't recruit the kind of person we want into the job, you know, right. the same way we would, an athlete. And I, that's, that's probably, if I had to guess, that's probably what I think is going on. In a yeah. Lot of and that, that would make sense. It's like, again, I, they always have you, you're going to go through HR. Yeah. How, how does HR really know if a coach can coach, you know, what, yeah. you know, what, is what, that, what do they do? Is, that's helpful. <laughs> is it, yeah. It kind of like, one of those things like I've coached, I don't know, X amount of senior national qualifiers or one junior national champion. You're like, which is higher on their scale, you know, so they've got to do a vetting process. And I've been in enough of those committees where it's, again, you usually have maybe three to five people on the committee. You each kind of whittle through. And I'm sure right now they've got like an AI process, a computer that just scans through resumes, looking through whatever they need. Then they get their five. Then they'll, you know, a lot of times they don't even call your references. They're just going to look at that. Then they're going to go to the, the head coach. Do you like any of these guys? Like I already kind of have someone right here. All right. Well, right. so basically, it's like a police lineup where you got you got the the criminal, and you got five cops coming in. Off the, like, which is the one you want? That's the right. guy. That's the one. Yeah. You know? And so, so right away, they already know a lot of times going in, like you said. Um, but part of it is again, you're going to go with who you're comfortable with. And I think what the bigger question is, you know, how is this going to affect gender equity, diversity down the road when you're always kind of hiring the person you're comfortable with? You know, or like the more teams that merged was what we saw was the idea a lot of times where there's a woman head coach, she was leading a women's team. And as they merge, it became, well, the guy's going to be the head coach and they'll have a female assistant, but now there's female associate head coaches, you know, but again, it's, it's never really like if it's going to be a sole coach, it's usually the male. And so then again, just, just with, you know, gender bias in general, you know, people are going to hire people that look like each other a little bit. And, and, and so I think that's going to end up really hurting down the line because if you think about like the dues system, if it's in place, even, you know, when there's only two coaches, you have a head coach and assistant coach, you know, the coach would either work his way up the ranks through like club coaching, maybe a high school coach, volunteer somewhere, become an assistant. And then you're an assistant at like a, you know, hopefully like a major school, then you go back to a mid-major as a head coach, then work your way back up. You know, similar to how basketball does it. You know, they, they go like, you know, like East Carolina, then they're an assistant at Stanford or whatever it might be. Again, so you're kind of like trying to move up these rungs. 
because again, it's it's one thing when it's a head coach hiring. It's another thing when it's an athletic director, because a lot of times the athletic directors have no idea, you know, what they're looking for. They'll ask you, what's your win-loss record? I have no idea. I, I have no right. idea what my win-loss record is. And, and so what they do know is, okay, well, you worked at Stanford or you worked at a school that I've heard of. Therefore, you must be good. You know, and, and that's a lot of times is how it is. Like, therefore, you must be you're trying to make it so that they can draw that conclusion that you must be good. Um, one of the things I think is interesting right now is just obviously with some uh, housing markets, you know, I just moved myself and looking at housing in, in different areas, housing markets are through the roof because com has gone through the roof. And so those guys are buying our properties or Airbnb is now buying up a lot of these smaller properties as investment properties. So there's coming in sight unseen and so swim coaches' salaries have not been escalating at the same level. And so yeah. look at like California right now. I remember one school in, in Los Angeles, their salary offering was like 35000 Like how, how are you supposed to do that, you know, unless right. you're 21 and okay with living in a studio or you're someone who's retired, you know, in, in the area or you, you've got a wife who's an attorney somewhere. You know, that, that's, those are like the right. three options you have. Right. And so it's interesting because, you know, some of these places, like a Stanford, I'm just using this as an example because I know they've got housing available for professors and coaches because you, you can't buy a house in Palo Alto. You just, you can't, there's no way. And so for them to fill these jobs, kind of the, the middle class is gone. You know, the, the people that were kind of moving their way up through the ranks, it, it's not going to happen. Obviously, Stanford yeah. can pay a pay a head coach, but the assistant coach, how are you supposed to live there? Uh, Cal Berkeley, you know, the, like the assistant can make eighty thousand. You're thinking, wow, eighty thousand is great. Yeah, Waterloo, Iowa, eighty thousand is killing it. You know, in uh, <laughs> in the Bay Area, eighty thousand again. You're, you're you're driving forty five minutes to an hour away. You're right. getting up at four a.m. to get your in for morning practice and getting home around midnight after all your recruiting calls. And yeah. so, so a lot of these jobs, I think, again, they're there, there's kind of the idea, like the volunteer coach or, or that kind of a coach. You're doing it knowing that after two years, if I can get it out for two years, my resume is going to look good enough that I can get a different job. Yeah, I mean, so you're reminding me of an anecdote that I wanted to tell earlier. I mean, um, we're both we're both married, and our wives probably know are both outside the sport and know more about the sport than they probably ever wanted to know. Um, by virtue of being married to us. And um, so I was, I was talking with my wife and she was sort of like, Hey, what's going on at UGA? Like, did, did, did Jack retire? Like she's knowledgeable enough to know who Jack Bowerly is. Wow. and remember him from my time. And I said, yeah, he retired. Um, and I was giving her my opinion on his retirement and, and, you know, them um uh, what they did going forward. And I said, and you know, like at the end he was making 300 something thousand dollars at UGA. And she looked at me and she was like, totally stunned. And she was like, you know, I'd be all right. You know, if you, if you wanted to do that, like yeah. I'd be, I'd be cool with you having that kind of job. And I said, honey, do you understand to get that job? It would involve me going back, you know, and sort of begging my way into a job that probably pays, Forty-five to fifty thousand dollars a year, right, right. and involves me working, you know, fifty-two weeks a year for year on year on year for a less than one percent chance of achieving that. And she was like, "Yeah, okay, no, I don't want you to do that anymore." Right. <laughs> so, because yeah, it, it, it is, and we we have in our head kind of an idea what the stair step would have to be to get to that position. Yeah. 
But yes. once you do that, again, you're never going to be guaranteed to get to that position. You know, it's no. not like, you know, hey, I just aced my ACT score so that I can get into school. It's like, it, it's not that you don't have a number system because you always have to go to some subjective system. And, yeah. um, you know, a lot of times it could be like a name. This person was Olympian. Therefore, he jumps ahead of the line. Could be right. like pedigree. They worked at, you know, Cal Berkeley. Obviously, he's knows something right away. Like he's got to be a great sprint coach. Cal Berkeley. There you go. Um, or it's someone the AD just kind of knows. Uh, and so that's, again, that's, that's one of the problems with the hiring is ADs talk. ADs go from like, you know, from one school to another school. And they're like, hey, this was the assistant at the last school I work with. I know them. And so, again, right. that's, that's, again, when it's uh, such an unfair hiring practice and not like I'm whining about myself. I'm whining as far as, again, equity and diversity. You're, uh, again, you're, you're just going to go back to what you know. And, and so it really excludes a great deal of people from this. And but like you're saying, with with are these jobs desirable? For a while there, you know, you saw a lot of times club coaches jumping in to become a division one or division three or whatever coach. And now you see a lot of these coaches kind of jumping back out. And I think part of that was as soon as we USA swimming, this is just a hypothesis I'm just kind of throwing out there right now. So Good. I'd be way I wrong. want your hypothesis. Yeah. It is, is USA swimming used to be all about the parent board run club. And that was always like, you know, the running joke was the best place to be a coach is next to the orphanage, you know, because now you don't have to deal with any of this. <laughs> and so now it's like it's become more of a business where the more kids you have, the more money you can make. And you're not going to be like all these other things like, you know, all these other departmental meetings and all these other obligations. You can kind of right. just coach a little bit more. And, and they become like you see a lot of these coaches become the CEO of their own program. And so yeah. I, I think by eliminating that, that parent run model into the coach run model, I think has made USA swimming coaching jobs a lot more appealing, obviously for, for a lot of other coaches, because they can have a lot more control over their coaching staff. They can have a lot more control over uh, their area, their pool, everything like that versus always recruiting and, and trying to get a kid to come just because, Hey, I like the color of those uniforms, or I can't believe you're wearing this brand of suit when I wear that brand of suit. And you're like, geez, I can't believe I'm dealing with this again. Yeah, so I do think so. I, I want to get to some of the aspect of the desirability that you just talked there, but you keep bringing back to um, the diversity aspect of that, and I want to back you up on that a little bit because I, I do think you're making a really important point um, on that piece of it. When things go real inside. Um, I do think that that is going to hurt any attempt to, you know, make the ranks of swim coaching at all representative of the people that actually participate in the sport of swimming. Um, and, you know, the number one uh, uh, sort of category of people that end up underrepresented are women, you know, who nominally um make up somewhere close to 50% of the athletes and actually <clears throat> at the division one level, by virtue of there being <clears throat> so many more teams, you know, there's probably it's 60% of the athletes are female. And yet the percentage of coaches is just way less than that. Um, I don't have the exact figures, but I, you know, I don't have to be, I don't have to have the, the exact figures. I just know it's nowhere near that um, number of people coaching it. And I do think that as this process becomes more and more unofficial, I, I think it's I think it's going to make that problem worse. Right. Um, because because and, now those people that 
did just get the job because I know that person, they can come in the work. Now all of a sudden they've got two years of university experience right there. And so on a resume, again, getting to the HR level or that AI level or even the AD, this equals greater than, you know, it's greater than eight years of high school coaching or, or whatever, whatever in their head makes it work. Again, people will justify their decision however they want, right? Yeah, I mean, one of the, one of the reflections that I had upon my own time coaching at Georgia Tech were, you know, if I look back at that time at the women who were coaching um, on other programs within the ACC, I can tell I can say that, like, I was part of the problem. Like, I did not have a meaningful conversation, basically, with any woman that was, like, coaching. At, you know, like, if I went to the ACC championships, none of the people that I talked to were women. Okay. When I went to a meet like that. And it wasn't until I got to another stage of my life where I started to say, actually, first off, actually meet some women who are in that situation who said, yeah, you know, like it's, it is hard and isolating socially to do this job because yeah, you show up to the big meet and, you know, 90% of the people there aren't interested, don't seem interested in talking to you. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. So you are kind of like, you know, that awkward kid at the middle school dance, you know, on the outside, um, looking in. And so I, I started to actually, that made me actually start to think like, okay, you got to take a proactive approach. And I hear from so many college coaches where they go like, you know, I really want to hire a woman onto my staff, but you know, I, I just can't find anybody. Yeah. And I'm like, guess what my step one is there are women on the pool deck <laughs> when you're coaching meets that you're not talking to start talking to them, just meet them. See if you like them, like just give it a chance. Um, because right now I can guarantee you that there's, there's people that you're just not giving a chance to be on the inside. And so you can't even, you can't even evaluate, um, or, or figure out whether they're, they're right for, um, the job they're hiring and they're just flat out not getting the opportunity. And if they're not getting the opportunity, they're not going to be aggressively, you know, trying to seek out those opportunities. Cause what's the point <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> if yeah. it's not going to happen anyway. Um, so I, 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 that, that I think I, I wanted to back you up on that because I really do think that is a legitimate concern in all of this. And if you're a club coach too, I think, you know, you should be on team diversity because I think that the club coaches are getting even more uh, pushed out of um, the process as well as this moves inside. So it's, it's, um, it's multifaceted. Let's build a coalition of people who say like, Hey, we might need some new faces and names um, in this process because college swimming is really important. Um, it's a really important part of uh, what we do in the United States in terms of swimming. I think it is undeniably one of the biggest sort of weapons that we have in terms of elite swimming against the rest of the world. Um, so it's important that, that it continues to go well. And it's not a given that it's going to just continue to be a good environment and that it's going to continue to exist even, right. We have to, we have to, um, we have to foster it is, is what I'm saying. I think one thing we've talked about in the past to just kind of keep on going with what you're saying about how hard it is to find female coaches, much less any coaches right now. A friend of mine just asked his assistants, I don't know if we talked about this before, he just asked his assistants, like, you know, how much do you think you should be making an hour? 
And and one of the women that they coaches from, it's like $50 an hour minimum. And it's one of those things where like, I remember laughing, thinking, oh, that's just ridiculous. And then it hit me like, no, she's right. You know, it's, if you like, let's say whatever it is, you coach eight and unders, it's 45 minutes. And you're going to go there from like, I don't know, six to 6.45 at night. And you want them there Monday through Friday, six to 6.45 at night. And you're like, well, it's only 45 minutes. It's not a big deal. Right. It's like, well, yeah, if you live upstairs from the pool, it's no big deal. Just roll down and just going to do that for 45 minutes and go back to doing whatever I was doing. That's one thing. It's another thing you're going to have to drive to the pool. And again, I was talking about California or New York or New Jersey, wherever you might be, where there are actually people living. You've got traffic. You've got to get across town. You work for 45 minutes. And maybe there's a little prep time before and after. And then you got to drive back. Now that 45 minutes became two hours out of the middle right. of your night. And they expect you five nights a week. Oh, and then a few meets here and there. And, and again, when it's, I, I know too well, like when it's my budget and I have a budget of next to nothing for an assistant coach, I've got $5,000. It's a hundred percent of my budget for assistant coaching. For example, I'm giving them a hundred percent of my budget. I want them there five days a week for them. They're like, I got $5,000. I can right. make this donating blood. I'll be okay. Yeah. I don't need it. And so it's one of those where you're, you're looking for that person that has the time, the inclination to get there, a certain skill level. You know, that this can be able to do that. And I think that's where we've talked about, again, like um, in, in the clubs you've been at, too, where the idea that maybe the model has to keep changing. So instead of how the model changed where it became more of a business run by the coach, now also the model can't be you've got all these volunteers working for free. You've got all these assistant coaches. They'll be there five nights a week. Maybe you've got deck coach there from Monday, Wednesday, another coach there from Tuesday, Thursday, and you have to rotate through Fridays or or what have you. But again, it's those are the positions too, where you're thinking again, how do they get to that spot where they're available to become that, that coach that you just find it for a division one. It's like they have to be there, but finding those coaches there, like at step one is harder and harder now also. Yeah. Yeah. It's harder and harder. And again, um, you know, I, I think you do have people that are, um, my, my perception of it, that, that, you know, people that ordinarily would be moving up the rungs are, are stepping out of it. I mean, I look at my, um, <laughs> the place that I actually came on here and said, like, you know, on some level it would be my, um, dream job if I could make everything the way I wanted it to back at Georgia tech, I've been so many assistant coaches since I left there who have, um, some of the most successful ones just get out of coaching altogether. They don't yeah. go on to be a head coach somewhere. You know, um, Bill Koppelman is the most recent example of one just a couple of years ago. I think, um, as far as I can tell, he, he probably recruited all four of their NCAA qualifiers. Um, and they, they may have had four or five scholarships to deal with altogether. So he, he sort of like hit a home run with every, um, with every at bat he got in recruiting and that still wasn't enough, you know, for him to want to continue, um, coaching or to get the opportunity that he wanted to continue coaching. Um, and so that, that, that definitely concerns me, um, from the outside looking in about the health, um, of this system. Um, Harvard was another one, sorry, that, that, that I was talking about at the beginning of this Harvard's coach, um, Stephanie, uh, Reed Morosky, uh, is leaving her job uh, to 
to work in admissions, I guess. And they just simultaneously announced she's out. Assistant coach is now the head coach. And Mm -hmm. I'm just thinking, okay, maybe the assistant coach was really well qualified for this position, but like Harvard women's swimming and diving coach, like that's a pretty desirable job. You don't mm-hmm. think that you wanted to like take a look at see and who was interested in doing that? Like, I, I just, I, I just, um, it, I, I am, I, as much of, as I'm trying to explain it, I'm also shaking my head at the same yeah, time. It is like, one of those where again they can they can put some in an interim tag because then they can they can get around a lot of the usual hiring practices to that, and then yeah. if, and then that way it's kind of like you know you get a test drive a little bit and then, then pull it out, but. um yeah, it is. It's it is amazing too. Like I, I've seen a bunch of coaches that have gone, "Hey, I'm going to be an assistant AD," and you're like, it's one of those where like the part, the elements that you like in coaching, you start going, you know what? Maybe I can coach other coaches and become an, right. an, an athletic director. Because when I was going through my hiring, I sometimes I'd ask the AD, like, "Why did you become an AD?" And it was because of that it's just the grind of coaching becomes hard. The AD, it's like it's a, it's a hard job, but it's more like again, you're, you're going to coach coaches. Uh, and since you step back a little bit, I think, you know, we've talked a lot about D1. I think a lot of these D3 jobs are kind of interesting. That's just, you know, the realm I know a little bit more about. Like anytime I, I was interviewing for something where it was a, a swimming coach, I always felt really good about that. Because now we're going to just talk swimming and we'll see if my philosophy, my ideas and technique, my ideas and training are going to mesh with their ideas. And that'd be cool. Then you go and yeah. talk to like HR, like what are you going to talk about? You know, and, and it's got to be real general and stuff like that. Where you talk to the AD and you're like, you want to let them know. It's like, I want to be competitive. It's like, but not that competitive where I'm grinding people out because with division three, a lot of it is about the, uh, the student athlete experience. And, and, and that's how they're judging success. Cause that, right. that was one of the things I would, uh, you know, with the swimming coach, how do you judge success? So they can, they just say, I want to see some kids in NCAAs. The AD is yeah. always like, well, how do you judge success? Like, how are the exit interviews? What's going on with that? How's our retention rate? And so it's a little right. bit different like that. Not that it's a bad thing, but you're like, as a swim coach, you're like, you know, you didn't get into the sport thinking, I really want to have a great exit interview with my kid. You know, it's part of it, <laughs> but it's not yeah. what you, you're like, man, I just want to see them get faster. And you assume if I get you in faster, it's going to be a great exit interview, isn't it? Yeah. Um, but what, what I see at that level is, is more like decision by committee where they're afraid to make a bad decision so if they had everyone on board, you're like, geez, we all came to that consensus, you know, these, these all ticked our boxes. So if it doesn't work out, it's not really my fault. You know, it's like, yeah, they, they have a way to cover it. And I right. used to talk about that, like at the level of recruiting, it's like, I can think of a million ways I can get fired, you know, because, because a kid's done something where I had no control over back in the dorms or whatever it might be. You yeah. Know? I could coach a national champion and that doesn't guarantee I have a job next year at all. Exactly. And and so that's one of those things where like the high risk kids, you're like, I'm not doing that. You know, I want the three, eight star Wars loving, like <laughs> the, the, the whatever kid I can find that is just not hanging out. Just, just totally like playing Pokemon at home. That's my kid. I yeah. want him because yeah. I know that there, there's no baggage that's coming with that. Yeah. Um, you know, and so it is, the one of those things where you're like, I, I think part of the process of hiring. So the, the kind of the third part, as I'm just thinking on the fly, is like the the cover your 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 backside hiring practice. Yeah. So if, if again, if sometimes you haven't read about, it, it's like we we know what we're getting into. We know this right. person. That's what we'll take. 
because you you know we've seen enough coaches where like all of a sudden it comes out like this has happened in the past this has happened in the past so for me it's much easier like i know this person's history i know i'm not going to get fired <laughs> for this hire yeah yeah i've i've personally done the vetting and it's the only person i can trust to do this vetting is probably right. myself and it is it's one of those where you you spend so much time with a person uh you know recruiting or doing whatever that you have to know that you can, you have a certain level of trust that they're going to work in the vein that you want. And again, just kind of knowing what they're why, why they're doing a job, you know, do they love that school or they love the idea that they're going to move on in six to eight months. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think we talked this one all the way through. Um, I appreciate you being willing to come again, Joel and, and, uh, share these thoughts as you're getting started um, there in Wisconsin. I appreciate you not being three hours away uh, time yeah. zone wise. It does make this easier. Um, thank you everybody for listening. Thank you to magic five uh, for sponsoring magic five.com slash the swim brief and uh, get yourself a pair of goggles. I'll be racing in mine again this weekend. Um, got an outdoor swim meet Joel. And, uh, yeah, yeah. I just, uh, just found out about it like yesterday and entered and it's on we, Sunday. We don't have a lot here cause you have to, you know, an ice flow could hit you at any second, you know, and it's, those are hard to predict as the Titanic right. found out. So we just right. prefer to stay indoors with no window pools. Yeah. Right. Um, anyway, that's it for this week and, uh, we'll be back again. Thanks a lot.